Welcome to the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I am your host, Kim Schlag. Today, I sit down with fitness and lifestyle coach, Marcy Nevin of Marcy Nevin Fitness. We talk about Marcy's ongoing battle with autoimmune diseases and how she has been able to make progress both with her physique and in her performance despite these autoimmune diseases and how you can do the same if that is something that you are struggling with. We also talk about how to not let fitness stress you out. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Marcy. <laughs> Hello, Kim. How are you? Good. So glad you could join me here. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm assuming it's a beautiful day in California. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Well, you'll be interested to know it feels very much like fall here in Pennsylvania this week. Oh, we are so having... Nice. I know we I was thinking about you we all of a sudden we're in the 60s and you know there's leaves falling around so fall has come mm, that is amazing it was feeling like fall last week and then it's back into the 90s this week wow <laughs> well that sounds lovely to yeah. me oh well I'll trade you anytime <laughs> <laughs> so Marcy for my listeners who don't know you at all why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself tell us what you do What's your area of expertise? What's your passion? Okay, so I am Marcy, and I am a fitness coach, lifestyle coach, I like to say. Um, I have been training clients now for about 10 years, and I would say my expertise is general fat loss and really just working with, you know, the average person who wants to look better, feel better, gain some confidence. That is my, you know, ideal clientele or the people that I work with the most. But okay. the other thing that I'm passionate about is just health in general and making sure that people are as healthy as that they can be, excuse me, as healthy as that they can be so they can live their best life. And I think that, you know, encompasses not just the nutrition and the exercise, but also the lifestyle component, you know, the mental component, all of that. So just making Fantastic. sure that people are very well-rounded. So I noticed in your Instagram bio that it says, I help women take the stress out of fitness. So I would love to talk about that a little bit. Where do you think that that stress about fitness comes from? Probably just the overwhelm because there are so many different ideas out there you know you go online and you re research fat loss or fitness or you know whatever the topic is and you are going to get so many different opinions and it can be really overwhelming and I know for myself when I first started to get into fitness my problem was that I believed I had to do so much exercise and really you know restrict my eating in order to get results. So mm. I was following all of the advice in the fitness magazines because I wanted to look like the models on the cover. And I was doing cardio in the morning. I was going back to the gym later in the day and lifting weights. I was, you know, eating six small meals a day and it was just, it consumed my life. And yeah. 
at the time that was fine because, you know, I was in college or I had just started working. I didn't have a family. Like I had the time to devote to that. But most people, especially the ones that I work with, they don't. And they already have so many stressors in their life. You know, their, their work, their family, you know, finances, whatever it may be the day they don't have a whole lot of, you know, mental energy or time in general to devote to getting healthy, healthier, to devote to working on their fitness and their nutrition and all that. So I think when you feel like you have to do all this stuff and it's going to be really time consuming, then that is almost a mental barrier and create some resistance around even getting started. So I like to simplify things and, you know, just kind of like nail or uh, bring it down to the basics, which is, you know, lift weights two to four times a week, walk as much as you can, stay active, eat protein and vegetables mostly, you know, it does not have to be as complicated as I think so many people like to make it. Or as even, you know, I thought it was when I first got started. Yeah, for sure. You hit on a lot of really uh, important things, I think, that keep people stressed and stuck. You talked about comparison where, like, we're looking at the fitness models and thinking, like, oh, that's what I should look like. And the idea that we need to be so extreme in our approach and we think six days a week and just lettuce. And, you know, (laughs) the idea that there's this information overload out there. There's so much. It's true. Like, the amount of information on just like even like a small piece of like just like some small part of nutrition or some small part of like what exercise should I do is so there's so much out there. So for a person who's just starting having that small list, like you just said, of things to focus on is so important, but it's so hard for people to narrow down. What do you think people can do? Like, so if somebody's sitting out there and they're like, I just, I need to get started. What should I do now? Like, what do you think is the first thing they can do? Obviously, there's not a should. But what's something they like could do? Something very practical. Well, that's a great question. But I think it comes down to what is going to be easy for that specific person. Yeah. So, you know, for example, let's say, okay, eat protein with every meal. And that person just says, like, I, I just I simply can't do that you know, I don't like protein or whatever their reason may be. And you say, okay, well, let's try something else. You know, maybe you're drinking soda every day. And can you switch from soda to diet soda or sparkling mineral water? And they say, yeah, okay, I I can do that. So there are so many things that people could work on, but it really has to be whatever is going to be easiest for them to implement right away. And what happens when they're able to do that is they get some wins under their belt. And I think more than anything, that's what people need because they're going into this and they're probably a little fearful, a little overwhelmed. You know, maybe they believe that they, or they think that they can't do it. So allowing them or giving them the option to do something, one that they're in control of, that they know they can do, and then actually are able to implement then that is going to create the momentum to keep going and add in more things that are going to be really helpful. Yeah. Finding that low hanging fruit can be super helpful. What was the beginning of your fitness journey? Like, did you have this feeling of overwhelm? It was this, were you kind of an always fit person or did you kind of come to this the way a lot of people do, which is, you know, I was out of shape and I got into shape and now I help other people. Isn't that so funny? Like, (laughs) 
So whenever I do podcasts or, you know, people ask me that question of how I got into this, it's kind of my little joke that I'm like, well, I'm like most other fitness coaches in the industry who, yeah, they were overweight. They had the transformation and now they want to help other people. You know what? It happens. That was mine too. It happens so often. It really is interesting. Yeah, it really is. Uh, So yes, that being said, I started gaining weight when I was probably around, I would say 10. I kind of remember like fourth or fifth grade, really starting to notice, all right, my body is changing. I'm not as thin as I once was, or I was comparing myself to my friends who could eat whatever they want and were just, you know, stick thin. And I was definitely gaining some weight and I was very uncomfortable with that. So I was active. I played every sport, you know, so it wasn't really, I think for a matter of like not being an active kid, but just my nutrition obviously was not what it needed to be. And I didn't really know any better. And I think my parents were just doing the best they could. Mm -hmm. So I really started to become self-conscious of it. I would say, you know, fifth grade and then like into middle school. I just kept gaining weight, kept gaining weight. I got up to a weight that if I, you know, told you what it was, it wouldn't sound like much. It was like 130 pounds. I was maybe, you know, five foot one, five foot two. Mm -hmm. But having no resistance training history, really just playing sports and, you know, not, I'm sure having a high protein diet, Mm -hmm. a lot of that weight was body fat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I was just super uncomfortable. And I remember vivid memories, Kim, of going shopping with my mom and wearing, you know, the largest size in pants or in shorts in the junior section and just crying and being so Mm -hmm. upset. So I decided to do something about it and I started, I bought like workout cassette tapes. This is how long ago this was. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it must've been like 22 years ago, I would say, because I was around 12, 13 and I'm going to be 35 soon. And I started doing these workout tapes in my parents' living room. And that was like where the whole exercise and, you know, lifting weights and doing that kind of thing started. And then when I was, I think in eighth grade, I started going to the gym with my mom and ironically, you know, today is September 11th Mm -hmm. and I remember where I was when I heard about what happened with the Twin Towers and I was six in the morning on September 11th and I was taking a step class with my mom. So I've been doing this for a really long long time. time. Long time. And then I kind of slowly got into weights. Uh, When I was about a sophomore in high school is when I started to lift weights pretty regularly. And then I got really into it when I went to college. Got it. You know, so the the piece you were describing there about what it was like for you as you entered middle school and you see yourself gaining weight and you're comparing yourself to the bodies around you is so interesting to me. It's an issue that's really important to me, both as a fitness professional and as a mom of a young teenage girl. My daughter is getting ready to turn 13. Um, Girls seem to have such highly unrealistic expectations of what their bodies are supposed to look like. And I feel like in this day and age, it's even worse for them than it was um, when you were younger or when I was younger because of social media. it's interesting to me the role that that might be playing in their lives. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was very into fashion. And so I would look at these magazines, but I would get them like once a month wasn't something that was in front of me 
all the time. You know, I would see these women in these magazines and I would realize that I didn't look like them. Like that's not what mm-hmm. I look like. But now it seems like such an ever present part of their lives, this kind of comparison game um, and looking at social media. And so I'm interested what you think about, you know, as you and I, we are women with large social media presences around bodies on social media. What kind of role do you think we can play in helping girls with that, with their body image? Oh, gosh, Kim, that is such an amazing question. I've never been asked that before. You know, and I'm kind of like almost stumped by it, but I think it's one of the reasons why I choose not to put up a lot of pictures of myself, you know, Mm -hmm. like wearing revealing clothing and showing off my body and this and that because, and it's not for, you know, a lack of confidence or whatever, but I don't want the focus around my message to be based on what I look like. And, you know, because someone may look at that and say, Oh, I want to look like her and feel bad because they don't. Yeah. When really, you know, for for one thing, we don't know what other people are doing to get that way. You know, the girl that you are idolizing may have an eating disorder. She may have mental health issues. She may have a chronic illness. Like all of these things are playing a role into her appearance yes and you can't compare yourself to that you can only do the best that you can so you know for what you've been given and what you have so really you know like I said for me I try even though I talk about fat loss and you know how to get leaner and this and that I don't like to put myself out there as a representation of this is what you should look like. And, you know, when I do choose to show my face or my body, you know, usually I'm like pretty, I mean, you know, not revealing clothing mm-hmm. and not you know, sticking my butt out or whatever, Got it. just because I, I don't think that is what we should embody. And if that is the message that I'm sending out to young girls, I don't think that's the right one. Yeah. I just think it's something important for us to be aware of. Um, You know, I've, I've had conversations with my own daughter and I don't know if you have this experience, but I get approached um, by teenage girls a lot um, on the internet for weight loss advice. Does that, does that happen to you? You know, it really doesn't. I thought maybe, yeah, I don't know why that is. Um, a couple of comments or questions here and there, but it's definitely not the majority of the questions that I get. That's so interesting. I'm, I'm not sure what it is about me that has attracted um, these girls, but I get messages regularly um, mm-hmm. from these teenage girls looking for weight loss advice. And um, I always have to hunt around a bit to see quite, quite frankly, if they are a teenage girl at first, because if I suspect they are, I'll try and look at their profile and and I have to say, almost across, actually, never has it happened that I've gotten somebody who I thought like, okay, I can see where she's coming from. She has a health issue, or that must be really hard to to be heavy at that age. Invariably, they are thin. Yes. And, and it worries me. You know, that's really interesting, because now that I think about it, and the few girls who have reached out to me about, oh, how can I lose more fat, or this or that. I mean, one of them, I think, was, you know, confided to me that she had an eating disorder and was anorexic. And I'm like, I'm not, I am not going to give you fat loss advice, exactly. you know, totally. I mean, not only is that out of my scope of practice, but it's out of my integrity. Yes. Yes. So. Um, yeah, I've, I have found myself helping people to um, look for resources to talk to them about eating disorders. Um, 
but it's interesting when I when I do talk to these girls, I try and steer the conversation oh, you know, first to why are, why is this an interest of yours? Why are you interested in losing weight? Like, what are you trying to achieve? And they all feel like their bodies do not look right. They're, they're, it's their thighs. Mm-hmm. There's always some piece of them that they just doesn't, they don't feel like it looks right. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's interesting to me and it's worrisome to me and it's, and I don't have the answer. I have no particular answer. It's something I'm actually doing a lot of thinking about, about, um, what impact I can have to help these girls to stop having such a focus on what is wrong with their bodies. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from necessarily. I mean, I'm sure, yes, it is social media and the messages that we see, but even now, you know, there's that whole kind of like self-love movement, body positivity movement. And I think it is resonating with many people but I'm not sure that it is resonating yet with the younger generation. Mm-hmm. It may be resonating with the women who have been there, who have had the insecurities, the body image issues, and now they're, you know, allowing themselves to accept themselves for who they are, you know, if they do not look like society's, you know, ideal standard. So for the younger generation, yeah, it's really, it's hard to say, um, and, you know, going back to myself, because it's, I totally resonated when you made the comment about, you know, one part of their body being, you know, not ideal or something they were self-conscious of. And for me, it has always been my thighs for as mm. long, as long as I've been, you know, kind of like worrying about this or cognizant of the fact that my physique did not look like the ideal one. But I don't even know where that came from. Because it wasn't something that I learned from my mom or my grandmother or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even remember looking at fashion magazines and saying to myself, oh, why don't my legs look like hers? It may have really come from me comparing myself to my friends Mm -hmm. because they were all, I kind of started to mature at a younger age. So I was taller uh, than most of my friends early on. And then I kind of stopped growing and they all shot up and Got they, were, it. they were tall. They had like long, lean legs. And I think that's where I started comparing myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why am I short with these, you know, stubby fat legs? <laughs> that's always how I, you know, thought about it. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that's a problem that spans the ages. I think that does start. And I think that teenagers feel that to like a really intense degree, that comparison thing. But I think women across the lifespan feel that comparison kind of thing. I think people feel it in all areas, like how we look, like our physique. If you're interested in performance, I think people are on there comparing like, well, she lifts more than me. I think that's kind of a thing that that just kind of it's just kind of human nature. But I think it's something that we can like fight against. What do you tell people who are struggling with comparing? Well, like I alluded to earlier you cannot compare yourself to somebody because again, you don't know what their story is. You don't know how much time they're spending in the gym, what their diet is like. Uh, You know, even genetic factors can come into play, you know, really do come into play. Uh, I hate to say this, but you know, there are people who are using substances that you may not want to be using. Right. Sure. And you know, there's Photoshop. There's, I mean, so many things go into it. And that phrase, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, 
it really it is so true it is uh, it is so true yeah and and even you know comparing yourself to a former version of yourself can be really tricky as well I know that I've kind of gotten into that mindset occasionally as well where I'm not as lean as I used to be mm-hmm. and you know sometimes like I go through phases where I'm like oh like I wish I was but at the same time I realize all right that also you know maintaining that leanness made it so that fitness, nutrition, all of that consumed my life. I was not healthy. Mm. And yeah, so you just, you cannot compare yourself to others. You cannot compare yourself to, you know, a former, maybe better version of yourself. You really just have to focus on doing the best that you can every day with what you have and working from there. I think that's such an important thing you just said, the idea that getting to a certain level of leanness, like whatever it was that you were at, takes a lot of work. And I don't know that some people realize that because they kind of have this goal in mind, but um, I don't think they realize what it would take to actually maintain a level of leanness that they're thinking of. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. It's, yeah, it's a, part-time job you know (laughs) like I I am just gonna say this uh because I know she's not listening but I work with a girl and who's a personal trainer with me and she's probably I don't know five nine five ten very muscular you know she looks great but Kim I swear to god I looked at her one day and I was like oh my gosh your body literally transformed I'm telling you like transformed in two weeks so she takes off her shirt and it's like you know her arms are super lean and like jacked and immediately I'm just like okay like I I have a feeling I know what's going on there and today I heard overheard her talking to one of her clients saying that she's been working with this coach and she's in the gym for you know two two and a half hours a day she's done 1400 calories she's doing cardio every day Wow. and the girl weighs like I think she told me 170 pounds so her basal metabolic rate she told me was like 1900 so 1900 calories just to keep her body like alive Mm -hmm. right not factoring in her training her activity all that and the woman is on 1400 calories a day and spending you know hours and hours in the gym yeah so it's like yes she looks great uh she's muscular she's lean you know all of that but she's absolutely miserable (laughs) Yeah, I and I'm like I, I told her I was like I wouldn't even diet on 1,400 calories. Is she doing it I for like, a specific reason? Like, is she planning on staying that way? Is she doing some kind of show? Do you know? Yeah, I I asked her. I was like, Are you getting ready to compete? And she said, No, I'm not getting ready to compete. But my boyfriend's going to be competing in five weeks. So okay. I just figured I figured, and we're going to Hawaii two weeks after that. So. I figured it would be a good time to, you know, get on like the, the contest prep diet. And I was like, no, there. <laughs> and you know, her, her trip is still, I guess, seven weeks away and she's already wow. eating 1400 calories and doing, you know, hours of cardio. So yeah, that's the thing. It's going to be a hard seven also, weeks. I don't really want to know what happened. Wow. You know, because you deprive yourself so much. And then you can't maintain that. So what is the aftermath going to look like? You know, mentally, it's it's hard to handle. It is hard to handle. I've gotten really lean. And when I did, um, it was hard to maintain. And I, you know, I used to think I wanted to be even leaner. 
And then I realized one day, well, not one day, that's not quite how things like that work, is it? <laughs> I realized over time that I just didn't want to do what it took to be that lean. Like I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. I didn't want to spend the mental energy on doing what it took to maintain that level of leanness and get leaner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's obviously a very personal decision. There's nothing wrong if somebody wants to do that. Um, I just think it's good for people to understand what it takes um, to achieve that level of leanness. Yeah, or or performance, you know, whatever it may be. So anecdotally, I'll tell you what's been going on with me recently. I transitioned to more of a like powerlifting strength focus last October. I have been doing, you know, strength based workouts, but really enjoying kind of like training like a bodybuilder and you know getting the pump and all that. And finally, I was like, you know what, I'm ready to really see how strong I can get. So I ended up joining my boyfriend's gym. He is a competitive power lifter and hired his coach who has, I, I mean, he has so many accolades in terms of the people who he has got, you know, very, very strong. And I was like, okay, like this is going to be it. Like I'm going to gain strength and I'm going to transform my body and yada, yada. And it was great for the first, I don't know, six months. And I'm telling you, Kim, like I had to work so hard. And it was harder than I've ever worked before. It's harder than I've ever been pushed. And I think at the time it was okay because I was feeling pretty good, like with my health, my stress wasn't too high. Uh, And then, you know, after, like I said, about six months, things kind of started to shift. I was not feeling as good, which I think partly was from the intensity of the training. I wasn't sleeping well, you know, my Mm. business really picked up. So I was trying to juggle all of these things and I was really starting to think, you know, is this what I want to continue doing? Because it is a real commitment. Like just the commute itself was an hour, you know, back and forth. Oh goodness. Yeah. It was two hours of training. So it was, you know, three plus hours out of my day. Was that four times a week? Four times a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And some days it was longer than that. So you know, there were, on Thursdays, I was in traffic for an hour getting there. Wow. So it was a lot of time, uh, you know, devoted to it. And then not only was it the time commitment, but and the work involved, but also the mental aspect of it, because I always was worried about my performance. Mm. So I would wake up in the middle of the night and I wasn't sleeping that great. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to train well tomorrow and I'm going to get yelled at. And, you know, like my mind would just like go to all these really bad places and it became a major sense of stress and anxiety for me. And so I went into my coach a couple weeks ago and I said, you know what? I just, I don't think this is for me right now. My mindset or my mind's not there. It's not a priority like it was. And I asked him if I could, you know, maybe back down to two times a week or whatever. He said, well, what makes you think that you're going to achieve the goals that you said you wanted to achieve? with less work when if anything you need to be doing more work and bringing it even harder oh and so I was like okay maybe you're right and I decided to stay and then a week went by and I'm like you know what no this is just it's not what I want right now so I did end up quitting um because I did not want to have to work that hard at this point in my life like my priority is you know being a good friend and girlfriend and daughter And to show up, you know, powerfully and engaged for my clients and really start to help other people. And I realized that uh, all of that was suffering when I was so exhausted from my training, when that was what was constantly on my mind. 
And while it's fine for some people and, you know, some people may be able to get away with that and it doesn't affect them. I know for me, I just, I couldn't. So yeah, whether it's gaining strength or it's getting leaner, it definitely requires a lot of commitment and it's not for everybody. Well, and it's also really great how you realize that it's okay that your goal can change. You know, it's interesting that your coach said, what makes you think you're going to be able to reach that goal? When it was clear, it sounded like you were pretty clear in your mind at that moment that your goal had changed. So that's good that you recognized that, you know. Absolutely. And now I feel much lighter because of I it. I bet. Just emotionally lighter, you know. I bet. So what is your what yeah. is your goal? Do you have like a physical goal now? Are you going to try something different if you're not going to do powerlifting? What are you what are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. <laughs> so I always can go back to working with Brett Contreras. He has been my my mentor since uh, probably 2010, I would say. So, you know, I consider him a friend, a mentor, and I've tried different approaches and I always find myself going back to his programs. So I did just sign up for his group training program, which is now, it was called strong by Brett. Now it's called glutes by Brett. Oh, okay. Uh, because, you know, he's the glute, he's guy. The glute guy. And it is, it's a three day per week program. It's pretty low volume. You know, it's still centered around the main lift. So you're going to be squatting, you're going to be deadlifting, you're going to be bench pressing. Of course, you know, lots of hip thrusts and glute work. Uh, but I think for right now, just kind of where I am in my life, like I said, you know, I want my focus to be more on my business and helping other people. And I also have some health issues that I deal with where four days a week of really intense training was definitely not optimal Mm -hmm. for me. I think it's going to be good to kind of take a step back and not spend as much time in the gym. So for now, I think that's the approach that I'm going to take. Well, that sounds amazing. That sounds fantastic. I, I really quick, I want to hear about your powerlifting prep. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Well, I am actually getting ready for a meet that's happening in, I think it's seven weeks now. It was kind of a surprise. I wasn't going to do a meet uh, anytime soon because I injured myself right after my last meet in January. I injured my shoulder. I don't even know. Nothing even happened. It was just kind of like one day my shoulder started hurting. And it was um, it was a really long rehab. And I did not think I would be competing anytime soon. And then... Um, Sam Altieri, I know you know Sam, invited me. She just kind of one day we were on the phone and she's like, hey, you should come up to Boston and do this meet with me. And I saw that they had a push pull so I can just um, um, bench press and deadlift. And so I was in because I can't, squatting is very hard for me with my shoulder to get into that position Mm -hmm. to hold the bar is is still kind of painful sometimes. Um, And so, yeah, so I'm doing one in about seven weeks and it's going well. My prep is going well. I had a great deadlift session last night and, you know, I'm just kind of going into it thinking it'd be amazing to get a PR, but if I don't, it'll just be kind of fun. Um, I, Oh, I love that. You know, I've never actually competed with a group of people that I knew. I've always gone like literally by myself, (laughs) like by myself. Um, I have an online coach and so I don't have a coach there with me. I've brought friends, one friend who knew nothing about lifting and one friend who does know about lifting, but um, I'm going to be with Sam and a bunch of her friends, like as like a team, and we're going to be all there supporting each other. So I think that'll be really fun. So what's the date of that? It is um, the 28th of October or the 27th. It's Saturday before Halloween. And you said it's in Boston. It's in Boston. Yeah. Oh, I would love to come out for that. Last time I was in 
the Boston area was will have been three years ago, Halloween weekend. Yeah. And you know how much I love fall. Yeah, well then enjoy. that's a perfect fit for you. Boston and Boston in October, yeah. Well come yeah, well come and, and I, see us I, and cheer us on. I would love to. Well, I'm gonna see if I can convince my boyfriend to go home and because he's from New Hampshire. Uh, wow. to go home for a family visit and we could like oh that, many birds with one that would be amazing <laughs> that would be amazing yeah I would love that yes, that'd be really fun um, so but, but I love yeah I love hearing that and also I love the fact that you aren't super attached to the outcome yeah or the goal you know which is another thing that I tell people is so important because you never know what is going to happen and you could say like when I went into the powerlifting thing my goal or my coach is like, okay, you know, your, your goal is going to be to bench 135, squat 225, deadlift 300, you know, whatever it was. And those for me uh, seemed lofty. Yeah. And a year later, I wasn't anywhere close to that, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. And had I attached myself like so, uh, so fiercely to those, I would have been really disappointed in myself. But I have, you know, now learned that it's really about the process and it's about just showing up every day and doing your best and doing what you can. Yeah. And whatever is going to happen is going to happen and you cannot let that affect you. So if you reach your goal, great. But if not, you know, that's okay too. And it's just a learning process. Yeah. So that's a really good mindset to I have. I so agree. You know, and when I go to a meet, usually – you know, I've, I've been planning for it and I'm super excited about it, but, um, I always have in my mind, if it doesn't happen at this meet, it's still going to happen. Like I have big goals, like my next big goal is I want to get a 300 pounds outlift. That's, that's definitely not happening this meet with my injury, but in my, <laughs> I, I'm clear on that. But you know, when I get there, I always have some, some things I'd like to do, but in my mind, I just kind of have this idea of if it's not this time, you know, maybe it'll be next time it's going to happen and I'm going to get there because yeah. I'm not going to give up, but not having a time limit, I guess, attached to my goal is kind of, I think, what, what helps me. Like, I have the goal, yes. but I don't have a deadline. It's just until, you know, just can I, I love that reframe. That's awesome. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. So would you mind if I asked you about your health issues? Do you, is, if, if I remember correctly, you have an autoimmune disorder. Is that correct? Oh, no. I, yeah, I'm uh, totally open to talking about it if it can help anybody else. So I have multiple things going on. I was diagnosed with psoriasis, which is an autoimmune skin condition when I was a junior in college. And then about a year later, my health just kind of started to decline. And I was experiencing all of these really weird symptoms, which I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I moved home from college and I was bouncing around from like doctor to doctor. I went to so many specialists I've had so many tests run and a lot of them were inconclusive, but what I didn't really know at the time was there's so much more to one's health and to what is really going on with somebody than what basic lab work is going to show. So I don't even think a doctor tested my thyroid. If they did, they only tested my TSH, which is not a good representation of what your thyroid is actually doing. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the tests that I was getting were just very basic kind of, um, you know, like your, your metabolic panel, your CBC, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I looked okay on paper. There were a couple of issues that we had to, you know, dig deeper on, which turned out to be fine, but I just kept being my own advocate. And I said, you know, something is not right. Like I had lost my period. I was feeling terrible. 
And I think a lot of that was due to my restrictive eating, my over-exercising, because I had lost a lot of weight. But I came to find out a couple of years after that, once I had found a really good functional medicine doctor that actually had Lyme disease. And so it's like you couple, you know, autoimmunity, Lyme disease. I think I was, or I was also diagnosed with Hashimoto's. I'm not 100% sure if that's what it is, which is the autoimmune form of thyroid disease and, uh, you know, just like some adrenal issues and all of that. So hormone imbalances. Yeah. I'm kind of a mess, (laughs) but, and that, that too, Kim is why I am such an advocate of people taking care of their health and why restricting your eating to, you know, nothing but chicken and broccoli or, you know, whatever the the kind of that like bro diet was that I was Mm -hmm. on. Uh, you know, it was so dangerous because you're just not getting the nutrition that your body needs. And then you couple that with, you know, lack of sleep and the stress that we have these days and over-exercising and it can just really do a number on your body. And I just want to prevent anybody from going down that road and having to deal with what I've had to deal with because it has not been fun. Yeah. I, I noticed you do post things a lot about um, like general health things like sleep and stress and gut health and things. And so is that mostly mm-hmm. stemming from this experience you've had um, with having um, autoimmune? Is that absolutely got it? Yeah. Cause you know, Hippocrates said thousands of years ago that all disease begins in the gut. And I really do think that's true. So if your if your gut is compromised, then that will show up as a multiple amount of symptoms. So it can trigger autoimmune disease. It can you know trigger skin issues, fatigue. I mean, it can present itself in so many ways. So yeah, that's why I'm very very adamant on people keeping their nutrition right and yeah, their gut healthy. That is so interesting. So here's a, so you seem to have still been able to make great strides, you know, with your strength and your physique, in spite of the fact that you have these conditions. I'd be curious to hear what advice you have for other people who have various autoimmune disorders um, and would like to put on muscle or lose weight. Um, What advice would you have for them? So I would definitely say, listen to your body. That is something that I did not do. And like I said, even with the powerlifting thing, I went in there knowing that I was putting my health at risk because I just, I can't recover like other people can. And the intensity of that training, I think really did like compromise my health. Um, I felt, I shouldn't say that because I felt okay for the most part, but I don't think it was making me better. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So yeah, just kind of recognizing that you may not be able to do what other people are going to do in terms of intensity, in terms of frequency. And that's okay. Like you can still make really great progress dialing things back. But again, it really goes into that whole comparison syndrome and not comparing yourself to other people because you just, you may not be able to do what they can do. But again, that doesn't mean that you cannot progress in your own way and still get really great results. So, I mean, I don't look exactly like how I would want. And if I didn't have all this stuff, you know, would it change things? I I don't really know. That's hard to say. Um, But I definitely think that you still have to keep your health a priority. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just make sure that you're taking rest days, that 
you're eating really nutrient dense food that you're sleeping as much as possible. You're recovering, you know, all of that stuff is really, really important. And if you are able to manage all of that effectively, then you will make really good progress despite what's going on, but just not, not pushing yourself too hard. And that was something that I was not good at. I always, I didn't want to see myself as someone with a chronic illness Mm -hmm. and I didn't want that to hold me back and it hasn't held me back. But I also think that I was not always smart about the approach that I took. And because I had these body image issues and all that, and was so kind of obsessed with, you know, working out and eating, uh, I guess eating right, but almost like eating in a restrictive way too. I do think that that kind of set me back a little bit when it came to my health issues. Well, I think that is fantastic advice you just gave there. Really, I think it's great that you're encouraging that you can still see really good results and that you have to listen to your body as well. I think it's, I think that's really good Mm -hmm. for people to hear. Okay. Ready for speed round here? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. (laughs) A couple of last minute ones. We're just getting, we're getting fast. I want to be uh, cognizant of your time here. Okay. Ready? What's your favorite, favorite exercise? If you could only ever do one, what's your favorite exercise? Oh, God. That's not speedy. Uh, uh, the hip thrust. Hip thrust. I love them. I love them. Do you like to do heavy ones? I do. I haven't done it in a long time. When I was powerlifting, I wasn't allowed to do a hip thrust. It was oh, like okay. considered a, you know, a foo-foo exercise. Yeah. So I would say to get back to those. <laughs> I love them. I was super close to getting a 400-pound one, and then I had to adjust, and I haven't been back to doing it yet. That's a goal of mine, Oh, though. my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. I was at 375 for, like, four reps. So I'm, I'm super excited wow. to get my 400 pound one. I got I got to get back to working on that. Okay. Favorite, you will. favorite low calorie snack. Deli turkey. Oh, I love that too. I love that too. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I put mustard on it and I wrap it in lettuce. Okay. So let me just tell you this. I know we're supposed to be speedy here. My favorite <laughs> thing to do, and it's not, I mean, I'm adding avocado to this, so it's not super low calorie, but. I do a piece of deli turkey, a little bit of avocado, a thinly sliced dill pickle, ah. wrap it in lettuce. And that is like fancy. My, you know, kind of. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. Yes. Okay. Most influential person with regards to your health and fitness in your life? Fitness, Brett Contreras. Very cool. Health, my actual health. Oh, I can't even think of that right now. That's fine. That's fine. Brett's awesome. Okay. All right. Um, you already answered this one. Your number one fitness goal right now, right? Didn't you already tell us that? What's your, what is your number one fitness goal? I think just, you know, physique improvement. That's kind yeah. of what I love to train for. Yeah. Okay. This one might throw you. I'll, I'll give you a few seconds. Favorite word okay. of the moment. What is your favorite word? My fa- I love the word. Ominous. <laughs> what do you like about it? Do you just like saying it because it's kind of fun? I just like saying it. <laughs> a... I mean, it's not like a very positive word, but I just like saying it. <laughs> that is a fun word. Ominous. <laughs> I- I'm gonna walk around saying that today and thinking of you. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't know what it means. They don't. What? No. <laughs> it's, that's a great word. I love that question. <laughs> All right, and of course, we need to know how can people connect with you if people are looking to find you. Where are they gonna find you? 
also, I spend the majority of my time on Instagram. It's just Marcy Nevin. So M-A-R-C-I-N-E-V-I-N. That is the best place to find me. And then if you go to my page, you can, from there, go to my website, send me an email. But Instagram is definitely the place where I hang out the most. Perfect. Thank you so very much for being here. This was wonderful to get to talk to you. You're super fun and very inspiring. Thank you, Kim. Yes, it was a pleasure. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And you keep me posted if you're going to be able to come out to Boston. I will. All right. That'd be amazing. (laughs) That'd be amazing. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the Fitness Simplified podcast. I sure hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, if you learned something, if it brought value to your life, I sure would appreciate you going over to iTunes and leaving a review and a comment. That's how this episode will get to more people. So if it helped you, you can help others by going ahead and doing that. Thanks so much for being here, and I hope to have you here again next episode.